what he did was it was some kind of an airplane case where somebody was injured while on board a commercial flight. It was a motion to dismiss, and he just put the facts in or whatever into ChatGPT. It generated a brief. It had case citations, all kinds of case citations in it. It was a you know it looked like a pretty good brief. The only problem was every single one of the case citations was false. It was just made up. Made up. Yeah. Welcome to Civil Action, the podcast of Cabotech LLP. I'm Brian Cabotech. I'm the founding member and managing partner of the firm. I'm also a past president of the Consumer Attorneys of California, a former president of the Los Angeles County Bar. I'm heavily involved at Loyola Law School, chairman of the board of directors of the schools, and I've been involved in trial lawyer politics in Sacramento probably almost my entire career. And I'm Sean Kernick, and I'm one of the partners here at the law firm. My resume isn't as impressive as Brian's because I am a lot younger than him. But our podcast here, Civil Action, features important issues. We go over new legislation that's coming down, new cases that are coming out of various courts, both in California, outside of California. And sometimes we bring on guests and go over interesting topics. And sometimes we just talk about new issues in the law. All right, Sean. So we're back here and we're talking about some important, relevant topics, at least relevant to me. Yeah. What are we talking no, about? That's today? all that matters to you. You is me. Well, that's isn't yeah. that true for everybody? Yeah. Well, not really. The, the, that's like really self-centered. But but it's okay. We we are talking about some hot topics today, for the local community or the California lawyers. We're talking about the legislation that allows for remote court appearances, yep. which is something that kind of came about during COVID. And we're going to find out what's going on with that. Brian's going to update us on that. But then we're going to talk about ChatGPT and using AI in your practice. Apparently, ChatGPT can write briefs for you. So we're going to talk about why that's a great idea to just have it do it. And you don't even have to look at it. Uh, I'm kidding. Don't do that. We'll talk more about why you shouldn't do that. And what are we going to talk about last time? It's my favorite one. We're going to talk about how Governor DeSantis, who wants to become President DeSantis, is the first tort reform Republican You know, with, major, with a major agenda. If he became president, he'd be the first president since, really since Bush, and I mean Daddy Bush, to go after tort reform in a hard way. Oh, yeah. So and, I, and I, I think I, it's like a, what happened in Florida is a cautionary tale, and I really want to talk about that. So. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and, you know, when you look at other states, too, and you see what happens in these other states, you go, and you, if you practice in California, you, go, you think to yourself, there, but for the grace of God, right? I mean, that would yeah. be just horrible, horrible environment to live in. So why don't we go back to the beginning and start by talking about What's going on with remote appearances? So, you know, remote appearances, obviously nobody needs a, a primer on that. But as a result of COVID, I think we jumped ahead at least a decade in the way of use of technology, particularly with respect in the courtroom. The courtroom. Or like we were behind a decade. And yeah. We finally caught up. I was just yeah, going to yeah. say that as if the courtrooms run like they did in the 1960s for the most yeah. part. I mean, it's when amazing. you started practicing. Yeah, well, earlier. Well, yeah, yeah. Earlier. Yeah. But it's like this is how courtroom should be run. You know, things like this should be done the way that they're now being done. In fact, even now the technology is probably out of touch. But in order to allow for this to happen, you know, we reward appearances. Everyone now can go on, at least in LA Superior Court. And actually any court I've appeared in, you can go on and appear remotely. It wasn't just except for some whacked out federal judges who sit there and say, no, I want you to appear in person for a status conference. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but we had an out of court I think it was a state court judge in a different state. I'm not even going to say the state, so no one could figure out what it is. But we had them ordering one of our lawyers to show up in person for like a status conference in person. And it was across the country, like another coast of this country. But eventually he kind of gave in and he was like, fine, you can appear remotely. But how were the courts allowed to do this? It was by statute, right? There was a specific statute that was passed to allow for this. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'm not even sure you would need a statute, but come on. 
these remote appearances are incredibly useful. So I want to go back in time to a land that time has forgotten when I was a much younger lawyer, and there was no even telephone appearances. So you would literally have to drive to a county or fly to a county for a five-minute status. When conference. did telephone appearances start? I'm trying to remember, like, because I've been practicing for like over 10 years now, just over 10 years. I'm trying to figure out I'd when they started. I'd say in the early 2000s. I'm kind of okay. guessing about that, but it, around the early. And then there was a point in time where the judges, especially the older male white judges, were sitting there going, we're not going to allow anybody to come in here and appear on telephone. You have to show up in court. And we had to actually get a statute passed. The trial lawyers got a statute passed that said, nope, you have to allow it. And that was like the plaintiff's bar that wanted that, right? right? Well, yeah, because the defense bar didn't want it. To be honest, they wanted the billings, right? Yeah, because they have to bill for their drive to court. Right. If it's like a different county, even better. No, but it was so rare that I'm even asking right now, just 10 years ago, I can't even remember making remote appearances in my first couple of years of practice. Oh, is that right? They were all even status conferences? I mean, I, yeah, I remember to do status conferences by court call. Could it be I because to... I was cheap because court call cost like $85? No, you you are cheap. I will stipulate to that. But, but or, or maybe you were embarrassed. You didn't want me to make appearances, period. So I didn't have I didn't get to do them by phone. Or no, I always for... want young no. lawyers to make appearances because I think it's good for you to be in a court. Yeah, all, all kidding aside, Brian was actually very good about encouraging us to do that. But I think you had to like get the judge's permission. You had to give advance notice to everyone on the other side. There was all these hoops you had to jump through to appear remotely. And it got easier, but the remote appearances were all telephonic before COVID. Yeah. Right. So so now we've gotten to a point where it's by Zoom, and, and I think that's pretty great. And it's particularly pretty great when – it's status conferences, it's easy stuff, it's, you know, maybe a discovery motion, things like that, that you you just, what rather than taking, literally, if you're out of county, an entire day yeah. to appear, yeah. you can sit there and you can multitask and get it done, and it's very efficient. Yeah. I do think that summary judgments are important, you should do those in person. I also think every now and then it's just important to be in court and appear in front of a judge, particularly on a, an important case. Especially if it's something that's going to trial, you do want to establish that rapport with the judge and make it look like you care. And I mean, haven't you been in courtrooms where, where the you know, somebody's appearing remotely and you're there in person? Or you're just watching it and the judge is like rolling their eyes or they're kind of yeah, looking yeah, yeah, when the yeah. person's appearing yeah. remotely. So, you know, there or there's dangers. like weird interruptions by the other side that's appearing remotely and you're there in person. Haven't you had some good ones recently where you've seen lawyers like showing up in T-shirts? Oh, it, well, I was appearing remotely, too. This is just a cautionary tale. Yeah. There, well, two things. There was one lawyer that showed up and he was like in a T-shirt with like a dumb virtual background. For the record, I hate virtual backgrounds unless they're like something really plain. Something like just super plain, like just white or color or something. That's fine. But he had like, I don't know, like some do, like do you really give a lot of thought him? to that? I'm just curious. I mean, it's distracting. I think this stuff is important. Yeah. No, but this guy, this idiot was like, he set up like the, he was outside. He looked like he was like in a park or like in front of some office building. He set up his camera. He put his AirPods in and he stepped away like eight feet away from his phone. So you could, it was like a full body length and he was standing there and that's how he was arguing. It was like a substantive motion. It was wild. It was awesome. And like the judge did his best not to be a, a jerk about it, even though he could have. But it was just really funny. I mean, it goes to show if the judge said something, at least you know what he's thinking. Now he's not even saying anything. And you're like, oh, this person hates this guy. Or, so, yeah, you got stuff like that. So but what's happening now with the statute that is sunsetting, which is like a statute that, that ends its term? I think what, it sunsets happening? next month. I, yeah. I think it sunsets. In, well, there's legislation pending, but there's problems with the legislation. Because once again, we go back to the same issue that I've had over and over again, which is the effing court reporters 
who sit there and are trying to block stuff because they don't want remote. They want in person. They want they feel like they're going to lose their jobs. You know, you can go back to one of our earlier podcasts where I rant and rave about the court reporters and the court reporter union and they're blocking this. So it is possible that if there isn't a solution soon and there may be, but if there isn't a solution soon, that remote appearances are going to go away. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah, that, that'll be terrible. I'll have to start wearing pants again. Like, that's just terrible. Right, right. Yeah, like, I'm not wearing pants right now. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, there's been complaints about that. Brian just office. checked. He just kind of, like, looked down. No, I, I am wearing pants, and but it would really suck. It would really suck because now that we have this option and so common, I just think, like, oh, man, like a 10-minute status conference. Can you imagine getting ready, getting in a car, driving I, I mean, downtown, imagine parking, I, I lived waiting it. in security? I mean, in the Spring Street Courthouse, for those of you that practice in L.A., that's, like, worse than going through an airport. It's just worse than going to an airport. They're just, like, you got to empty everything out. If you have a single wire in your bag, they're like, nope, go back out, take the wires out. It's just crazy. Uh, I mean, I know they're doing their job, but, like, it's just wild. Well, I mean, the whole point is that there's an efficiency issue here, and it's like a balance, right? And at some point, you think to yourself, is it better I actually be in court? And yes, is it a summary judgment motion? You could lose a summary judgment motion. Yeah, absolutely, you need to be there in court. I've even had judges. Here's one story. I've even had a judge on a substantive motion where I, I won't make this mistake again. I didn't even know I was making a mistake, but like, I showed up. Me and one of my associates showed up to court to argue this motion, and then the staff was like, oh, the judge doesn't take the bench. We do all of this remotely. And the judge was kind of bothered by the fact that they had to take the bench and come out and hear us argue in person. And this isn't like, oh, height of COVID. This is like three months ago. So I think my word of advice for people out there is check with the department too. ask does the judge allow for in-person appearances. Do they prefer? Do they have any preference? Some judges even prefer remote. So, yeah, I also think the other side of this coin, though, is younger lawyers need to appear in court. They need to get comfortable with the courthouse. They need to get comfortable with the courtroom. And so I would like to think that law firms are going to start sending the younger lawyers even to simple appearances. But Maybe, the option of the remote is... is just, we can't lose this yeah, option. It's, a, it's critical. It's essential. We can't yeah. lose this option. Yeah. I mean, it's completely changed. It's been three years now, right? Yeah. We, we It has completely changed the practice of law, and it would completely change what we'd have to do i mean we'd be rolling back yeah. yeah rolling back in time you know and what really concerns me about all of this sean is these courts and the court administrators and people like that are sometimes they're old like me and so it's hard to get them to change it's hard to get them to consider that there's new ways to do things and new cutting edge ways to do things i mean one of the things i worked on was legislation to allow witnesses to appear in trial remotely yeah which I think in some limited cases is a good idea. I mean, why do you need the cop to be sitting in the hallway, yeah. giving up an entire day that he or she's spending instead of doing their job, coming yeah. to court to testify that, is this your report? Yes. Is this what Just the like defendant said to records, you? Exactly. Right? Like you don't need a doctor who literally saves people's lives and gives treatment to people to sit there and waste a whole day in the hallway because they're going to come in and authenticate. Even like if it's not authentication, if it's records. just, if it's five or 10 minutes worth of testimony, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, what happened? What did you see? What did you observe? That kind of stuff. A third party witness, some poor guy who happened to see the accident happen, who's going to testify that the light was green, let him or her appear remotely. It, yeah. It's not yeah. a big deal. But anyway, We've got to keep moving forward with technology. So yeah. that kind of segues into We'll our, follow this and we'll kind of update. You know, so that segues happens. in the next thing, which is, is there are some technology that is too much technology right now? Well, yeah. So the whole AI thing and chat GPT, if you haven't gone online and tried to, it, it's probably the fastest growing 
piece of technology or platform out so there. It's, it would be hard to imagine that anybody listening to this is going to sit there and go, what is ChatGPT or what's AI? Sure. I'm almost at the point where it's like, it's hard to imagine that people haven't tried it. Have you tried it? It was a great story. So I, I, tell, tell I, I typed in a few words about sending a love letter to my wife uh-huh. and literally like 10 words. And it produced this eight paragraph, unbelievably sweet, warm, you know, romantic love letter to my lovely wife, which I promptly sent to her and disclosed. You disclosed? I absolutely disclosed. And she said, you didn't have to disclose it because nothing in there sounded like you. Did you you really need a disclosure? Like, yeah. yeah. No, I think the mere fact that I would send her a love letter right there would be the disqualifying feature. She'd be like, who is this? Right. She'd be like, oh, someone got into your email, Brian. But I've used it. I've used it in the context of work. I've used it to come up with like introductory language in a brief. I've used it to come up with like press release type language. I've used it to come up with like letters and and, and things like that. And it does a pretty good job if you give it enough parameters. But there's this funny story about, it was in the press. You guys have probably come across it already, but some judge really came down on a lawyer. I think it was in New York. And they really came down on a lawyer because he used it to like write his brief and he let it fabricate, just like make shit up. He, he let it make up cases and citations. Well, I think what cases. he did, I think what he did was it was some kind of an airplane case where somebody was injured while on board a, a commercial flight and it was a motion to dismiss and he just put the facts in or whatever into chat GPT. It generated a brief It had case citations all kinds of case citations in it. It was a, you know, it looked like a pretty good brief. The only problem was every single one of the case citations was false. It was just made up. Made up. Yeah, it was just made up. I mean, that that's kind of dangerous. Look, I'm convinced it'll get to a point where it adheres to like actual cases and good law and can probably even site check for you. It'll, it'll probably go to the other end of the spectrum where it, where it does a better job than what a human would do on it. But it, it's sort of like in terms of the legal world, it's in its infancy. But there are platforms, and I've said this before, and I think like someone even wrote an article about it recently that got published somewhere where they where they interviewed me and maybe even Brian on it. But there are useful tools that are based on AI that can be used in litigation, like for summarizing medical records, summarizing discovery, coming up with timelines. I've seen demos of companies out there. I'll even do a plug for one. I think it was Case Text. Are they a sponsor? Well, yeah, sure. They they can sponsor. I don't know if they're one of our sponsors. How many sponsors do we have now? I believe the number is um, zero. It's just one. It's just Brian Kavdek. Yeah, yeah. Brian Kavdek's our sponsor. But yeah, I, I did a demo and saw some awesome, awesome stuff that it can do and even more awesome stuff that's being developed. So there's you know, some, there's it's some just... cool stuff out there. But don't use it to write your briefs. I mean, I have used it one time I, to try it out. I didn't actually like This wasn't something I submitted. But I put in some language in there from an actual brief and citations and quotes from a case. But I gave it the parameter of do not modify any of the language that's in these quotes or the legal citations. And it didn't adhere to those it, It's, it's yeah. a super interesting discussion because I think that we're going to get to the point where you're going to get the, let's say it's a demur, let's, let's just say it's his motion for summary judgment. You're going to get the motion for summary judgment. You're going to scan it in or you're going to, it's going to be in, you know, in electronic format anyways. You put it in and the AI is going to write your opposition for you. Take it and write your opposition. And for something kind of routine, like a demur, it, can, it, it probably will do a decent job. I mean, And, you know, look, it, I want to go way back in time to when I was a kid. At the turn of the 20th century, when it was 1899. <laughs> from, from the 18, yeah, 1800s. When I was a child, 90% of America was, was agricultural, right? And within 10, 15 years, that number substantially dropped, right? Yeah. It's like there's some statistic that the 
1900 Easter parade in New York City was almost entirely horse-drawn carriage, and 12 years later, it was almost entirely automotive. Yeah. So jobs will change. But one of the jobs that will come out of this, whether it's an associate or paralegal, is they're going to take that chat GPT brief and they're going to check it. They're going to revise it. They're going to customize it. They're going to make sure the case sites are right, do all that kind of stuff. But that's going to happen. It's inevitable. That it's going to be used more and more. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is like, a you know, this is Brian saying this. And he was born well over 100 years ago at the turn of the century. No, but all kidding aside, I mean, for someone like Brian to not go, ah, I don't know about this thing. No one can ever replace lawyers. I mean, yeah, that says a lot that someone from his era, his generation is already kind of he knows that it's inevitable that this kind of stuff is going to become more and more prevalent and it's going to be used. Yeah. You know, I think you're also going to see I don't know, is the number of lawyers going to shrink? I don't know. You know, I've said for years that some of these and I'm sure this will make me unpopular with some of our listeners, but some of these unaccredited law schools, they may not survive. They may not be here 10 or 20 years from now. And one of the reasons is maybe you don't actually need as many lawyers you're going to need possibly less lawyers. Yeah. I mean, maybe, or it's going to make the industry more competitive or lawyers are going to have to be more creative. Right. I think in the law practice field, I think marketing is going to become a critical skill. And I think Brian's always said this, and he said, there's plenty of good lawyers without work. With no work. I mean, yeah. that, no work. that's yeah. that's the truth. And it's going to become more and more the case, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten so, it's outside of our topics today and we should talk but, about but it But speaking sometime, of lawyers is, uh, running out of work, by the way, I hadn't finished. Well, oh, you, you like my you wife, you're say, interrupting me and you're yeah, not going to let me finish? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. No, let's hear what else you have to say. I was just going to say that I think that you're going to get to the point where with the mass advertisers, and we should talk about that sometime, is that it's going to be harder and harder for the solo practitioner to get cases, particularly PI cases. Yeah, or it's going to get filtered out. There's going to be kind of tiers of cases. And it's like the run-of-the-mill, mass advertiser, mill-type cases that get automatically pushed through probably with a huge involvement of AI in those cases. And then you're going to have the ones that need individual right. attention that are well, let's say, let's, I think that's kind of like a disservice to, to the industry. But anyway. it's we'll Like I said, it's a great discussion, and we should have it next time. Yeah. Next, next time perhaps we do one of these shows is talk about how the legal market's changing. Because on the one hand, just to be fair, 90% of people in America don't have ready access to lawyers. So advertising is very good to give people access to lawyers. It's just they should get the right lawyers, the lawyers that know the case, that care about the case, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of lawyers and running out of work and industry changing, I really am excited to talk about what's going on. Not excited. It's kind of sad what's going on in Florida with Governor DeSantis. Yeah, I mean, you know, this the next is pres- the next president of the United States, right? I, I mean, you know, we could listen to this two years from now and be like, yeah, we we saw the we saw the future. The Republican Party was always founded on businessy purposes, you know, protecting business. Yeah. And of course, they've done a masterful job in the last 40 some odd years of recasting themselves as the party for the little guy, the working guy, which, you know, I don't think they are, but that's the image that they have. But at the true core it's protecting corporate America. It's protecting oh, yeah. business. I, I, we, we did, I remember we doing an episode like a year ago or more on this where you were talking about how what's really driving certain Supreme Court decisions and legislation and things like that. And it's not like, oh, conservative values and protecting individual rights and stuff. It's just corporations that are fighting right. I mean, abortion was, yeah. was, was a bonus for the masses, for the Republican masses. It's sort of a selling point. It's but, like, but yeah, the look truth what we're doing is, for you. Yeah. But the truth is these justices that the Republicans have appointed are pro-business justices, right? They're, yeah, they're yeah. largely pro-business justices. And and the legislation that they're pushing under the guise of conservative values, protecting small businesses and protecting individuals, that's horseshit. I mean, all of it's just money being flooded in by giant corporations, including especially insurance companies, 
to try to enact what was previously called this tort reform under the guise of we got to protect businesses, out of control lawsuits and greedy plaintiff lawyers. You know, we got to take control of them. I Look, mean, I've lived all, through it in California when it was when the winds changed here or before the winds had changed, where there was this tort reform movement on a constant basis here in California. You still see it to some extent. You still see business interests to some extent, like trying to eliminate PAGA and trying to roll back some of the employment cases and things For like sure. that. For sure, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I keep hearing, this is sort of anecdotal, but maybe people have heard that State Farm is apparently no longer issuing policies in California because of, wild, you know, they cite wildfires. Yeah, you know, blah, but blah, this blah. this happens. This goes in cycles. So they're not canceling people who currently right, have policies. Right. They're just not issuing new policies. And then they say, we're staying out of California, we're staying out of California. And then, you know, they realize that there's 40 million people in California, you know, what, like almost 15% of the population of the United States. And they go, well, maybe we'll come. Yeah, we're missing a big piece of the market. But no, I've anecdotally heard people's reactions to me knowing that I'm an insurance lawyer, that sues insurance companies. Oh, well, thanks a lot, lawyers. This is all because of, you know, your plaintiff's bar and because you made it so costly for insurance companies. And it's like, hold on. We decreased their profit margins and you're upset about that. You know, you're upset that the insurance companies aren't making enough money for it to be worthwhile for them to come here. Like, it's not like we made it illegal. Yeah, for it's them the to brainwashing of America I mean, when yeah. it comes to this. And that's the, it, that's the real thing is the brainwashing of America when it comes to tort reform is something that you see over and over again. People think it's a really good idea until they're the victim of an accident and they need that law or they need the protection and then it's no longer there. Right, or they get taken advantage of by an insurance company and they go, well, where are the people that keep these folks accountable? It's like, yeah, well, you were just criticizing us for quote-unquote driving, driving them out of the state. I remember about 15 years ago, I was doing a homeowners association presentation to a group of homeowners in a very conservative part of California who had been the victims of poor construction. I mean, really bad construction. Yeah. And I walk in the room and I'm doing the presentation and there's one guy and he, you know, he's got the crew cut. He looks like he could be the cover of the American conservative magazine. Like uh -huh. He'd be their poster child. And he's agitated. It's called you Breitbart. Could, you could I'm tell. Kidding, yeah, right. Yeah. You could tell. No, seriously. You could tell that this guy was agitated. I'm like, oh, crap. He's going to raise his hand. and He's going to ask me a question about greedy trial lawyers and, yeah. you know, ruining our justice system. The guy's hand shut up and I finally had to answer. Uh, yes, sir. And he got up and he goes, I want to know how you're going to get punitive damages out of these people for what they've done to me and how they've affected my home and what they've done. And I'm listening to him going and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know, tort reform's all good until it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've been spending a lot of time lately in the in a conservative part of the state. And a lot of these people, they've come to me and talking about their potential cases. They go, I never thought I'd want to file a lawsuit. I'm actually against stuff like that. But it sounds like this is the only way to hold these people accountable. I'm not the kind of person yeah, who files I'm, a lawsuit. I'm not that but, kind but of they, person. But they, but they kind of come around when they're in the crosshairs of some wrongdoer and, and you know. Yeah, it's all fun and games yeah. until you're a victim, yeah, right? that's right. I mean, so that kind of brings us so to— So what does DeSantis' bill do? Oh, so my he, God. Well, he signed it. It's yeah, not he just he signed it. He signed it. He signed it back in March. And it's just sweeping reforms. For example, let me give you just a couple of quickies. The concept of, you know, comparative negligence, if a plaintiff is more than 50 percent at fault, they recover nothing. Whereas in California or most of the places across the country, it doesn't matter. You you get whatever percentage right. it is, reduces your it reduces reduced, your recovery. Yeah, it's reduced by whatever's out. Nothing. The statute. So if someone's found like, you know, if a plaintiff is found 60 percent at fault and the defendant is still 40 percent at fault and you have a massive verdict, you know, wrongful deaths, let's say, you know, multimillion dollar verdict, you get nothing. Right. Nothing at all. Right. That's that's wild. That's really screwed up. But yeah, what else? The statute of limitations. Now, granted, Florida had a very generous statute of limitations for general negligence of four years. Cut it back to two years. 
Right. But that's cutting it in half. What if next, you know, or down the line, it's kind of a alarmist slippery slope argument, but in California, what if they cut our statute in half to one year? I mean, right. That, that's, that's it was crazy. one year when you were a baby lawyer before you were a lawyer. It I didn't was know one that. year in California for general negligence. I didn't yeah. Know that. Yeah. You had one year to file a car wreck case. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities nope. for there to be momentum and, and, you know, conservatives come here and they pass their version. of How about a, uh, um, a multiplier in cases where there's a presumption that the lodestar fee, the number of hours the attorney spent on a matter multiplied by a reasonably hour rate is sufficient and reasonable in a case where they're determined by the court, where the fees are determined by court. So no multiplier, okay? Yeah. So, you know, multipliers are typical in cases, particularly where you work on the case for four years. Right, class action. And, and then like that. the defense always comes along and says, you should get your hourly rate, and we think your hourly rate's too high. We think it should be a much lower rate. And the judges will oftentimes look at that and go, well, no, you know, they, they took on the risk. They carried the cost. They carried the case. They didn't get paid for four years. We'll give you, you know, a 1.5 or something like yeah. that. So that's gone. Now the presumption is that it's your hourly rate. And the only way you can get around that is you can you have to demonstrate that the client could not have otherwise reasonably retained competent counsel. So and the presumption now starts with your hourly rate is fine. You shut up and go home. You know, that's that's the presumption. Now you start from there and you got to show that's wild. Yeah. And it's that means that riskier cases are going to be more difficult to find lawyers because lawyers are going to go, well, why should I do this for my hourly rate? Also, they can look at the hourly rate. They can determine what the hourly rate should be. And uh, they can look at insurance companies' hourly rates and, and try to reduce it to that. So, I mean, that's really horrible. There was a bunch of one-way attorney fees statutes in Florida. Yeah. Um, and they turned those into two-way. No, gone. Oh, they're just gone. They're gone. Oh, wow. So, you know, you pursue a case where you're pursuing for the public good or even insurance cases where in Florida they actually would get attorney fees if they won the insurance case, and they've taken that away completely. That's just wild. This is all through one one bill. Right. there. Uh, so another one, just the uh, hit parade here just keeps going, baby, because there's more. How about the fact that now they didn't have what we call Howell in California, which is you're only entitled to recover what the insurance company paid actually paid actually paid but they've now taken that and injected steroids and they said for future damages all you can get is what an insurance company would reasonably pay based upon the person what their insurance is and so on and so forth so you have somebody who you know injured at 25 and you say well when they turn a certain age they're going to get federal medicare or something like that and of course that pays pennies on the dollar so that reduces it further unpaid past medical bills can be recovered if they're unpaid. But again, the reasonable, usual, customary standard would apply, right? So yeah. th that's great. So healthcare coverage, you get punished for having healthcare coverage. And then there's a whole bunch of changes with respect to insurance bad faith insurance litigation. Bad faith specifically, yeah, which I think affects anyone that's doing, you know, PI cases where there's a carrier on the other side. Right, and including the fact that now the insured has to make a reasonable, good faith effort in trying to not only furnish information, but also make a demand and set deadlines that have to be reasonable and attempt to settle the case. And if the insured doesn't do that, that can be considered by the court or by the jury in declining bad faith. Yeah. So it's, it's very yeah. subjective, right? It's like you didn't try hard enough, Sean, to get your case settled. Why didn't you try harder? And it allows for insurance companies to have like, they have like 90 days now to correct any bad faith acts that they may have engaged in, like failing to settle within policy limits. But the failure, this is beautiful, but the failure 
to not act in that 90 days is not bad faith. It's not bad faith. So you yeah. have 90 days. We're giving but you a gift. Failure to tender you a lovely gift. is not with it is not is not bad faith, and it's inadmissible. It's not just like oh, it doesn't create a presumption of bad. You can't even introduce it at trial to argue that it's bad faith. That's right. That's right. And the jury can consider now whether the insured third-party claimant or his representative did not act in good faith. So now there's a good faith standard on us. On the plaintiff, yeah. On the plaintiff. Or, or the insurer. Whereas in California, standard, yeah. the insurance company has a non-delegable obligation to thoroughly investigate a claim that, you know, you can't force the insured to investigate their own claim. Apparently, Florida has completely changed that. That's just crazy. I mean, but listen, I mean, we talk about this not just to make fun of Florida, which is something we like to know. All kidding aside, I'm sure people of Florida are nice, but some, some, yeah, but Ron DeSantis is not. But and this they should voted be for a him. cautionary tale for why, you know, we're not here to say like, oh, you should vote progressive or something, but this should be a cautionary tale for what can possibly happen. No, I think if, the important if, if this tort reform thing gets even more. Well, look, look, I've practiced long, a lot longer than you and probably most of our listeners. And the truth is that this was here in California before. You know, I mean, like we this had, attitude and this type of push for legislation. Yeah. Remember, we had a long history of, of Republican governors here in California and a pro-business legislature for a long time in California. And there was a real effort on tort reform here. There were initiatives out there. There Every now and then an initiative pops up again to try to limit attorney's fees. Yeah. And to cap tort damages, you know, what happened with medical malpractice here. Oh, yeah, like this session or the last session, there was still already stuff like this being, I mean, it gets crushed now. It gets crushed. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, my experience when I was president of the trial lawyers and been involved in politics in California my, most of my life, you really come to appreciate the fact that some of these wacky things that get passed in other states wouldn't get airborne here in California, thank God. Well, so is your message sort of like, don't worry, we'll be fine here? Well, my first message is you got to watch these national elections because they could have sweeping tort reform. I mean, there have been talks about like basically that's federal what I'd worry micro. about. Yeah, that's what I'd worry about. Yeah, yeah sweeping tort reform in, in Congress. That's one. Second is don't keep your eye off the ball here in California because every year they try to slip stuff through. And it's only because we have really good lobbyists in COC. We have really good people that are watching stuff, and we elect people who are at least pro-civil justice system, you know, that to keep our offices open. So yeah, I don't so, mean to make so this a commercial. I don't want to make it a commercial. What I'm just saying is that bad, bad shit can happen, and yeah. it can happen very quickly. And, you know, the old story about I didn't say anything when they came for my neighbor. I didn't say anything when they came for my friend. Who's going to be there to say anything for when they come for me? is absolutely true. You have to keep monitoring this stuff because it, it can happen if you're not careful. Yeah, and support organizations and candidates who support this stuff or who are willing to fight this stuff because right now we're okay, but but I really think, you know, it, it could the tide can change. Yeah, can change. you know, I think that's important. I also think that the Republicans are much better than the Democrats at messaging, and they're much better at the long game. They're much better at recognizing that they're not going to get accomplished the kind of tort reform they want today. They're going to have to wait for the, the Ron yeah. DeSantis yeah, to exactly. come along, and then they're going to get what they want, and they're going to get exactly what they want. So, yeah. Anyway, interesting well, stuff. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this stuff and some of the other stuff that we cover. If you have anything you want to talk about, you know, reach out to us. Reach out to me or Brian or anyone here. If you want to talk about us and complain about us, reach out to somebody else. But no, all kidding aside, you can find us online on all social media platforms at Cabotech LLP or kbklawyers.com. If you have an issue that you want to talk to us about or if you have questions for us, we'd love to be there to help you. So thanks for tuning in and uh, see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Civil Action, a podcast of Cabotech LLP. If you like what you heard today, please go online and subscribe. Leave us a comment and share this podcast. You can find us on all social media platforms at Cabotech LLP. You can find our website at kbklawyers.com. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or if there's anything you want to hear us discuss on the air, or if you want to come on and maybe join us and talk to us. We appreciate the feedback. We'd love to have you. Thanks very much.